and welcome! I'm your humble Game Master Tom, and this is Season 2 of The Inglorious Bards. If you're a new listener, this is a great episode to jump into with new characters, a new setting, and all new adventures. So keep on listening, and thanks for checking us out. If you're a returning listener, glad to have you back, and thanks for all the support last season. This year, we're proud to be sponsored by the Fantasy Grounds Virtual Tabletop Software, which we'll be using to track our battles during the season. We're also excited to welcome a new player, Jillian, who has foolishly decided to join us. And we're back with the same horrible comedy you've come to love. This season, we're taking to the stars with crazy aliens, exotic planets, and spaceship battles. We'll be using the Esper Genesis role-playing system. It's a sci-fi reskin of 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons. So if you know D&D, you'll be right at home. And if you're new to role-playing games, come join us. You'll pick it up in no time. And finally, we have one simple goal. Make a fun story together and probably look like idiots while doing it. So let's join the group in their first adventure of the season. We'll start with a quick intro of each character before throwing the group right into the middle of a freaking hover car chase. The adventure begins. Before we dive in, let's go ahead and go around the table and introduce our heroes. Let's start with Devin the Mystic. I am Devin Page, an Earthborn Mystic, follower of the Universal Source. And we have Augie, our engineer. August. Augie Stilton, uh, engineer of the Nevi race, caretaker of all the vessels that we tend to fly upon, and the well-being of the crew, mostly. Great. And we have Kolsch, our warrior. They call me Kolsch Six Fingers. I'm a soldier warrior, six foot three, giant white lion, all around badass. And we have Catherine Leary, our ambassador. I'm Catherine Leary. I'm a human ambassador. I'm here to help these wonderful group of people be able to talk to others in a way that makes them happy, not sad. (laughs) (laughs) And finally, we have Epomeni Vathis. Yes, Epomeni Vathis. I am an Epoki. I am a specialist in many things. (laughs) Which makes no sense. (laughs) Whipping through the forest, two hover skiffs dodge between trees. A branch is smashed off and tumbles 20 feet to the ground below. In the open rear section in one of the skiffs, a pair of smugglers stand over a metal box. One of them looks back through the trees from where they came. I think, I think we lost them. The other says, yeah, we got the box, so everything's cool. Let's just get out of here and find out who the hell that is. He points to their other skiff, where several more smugglers race alongside. In the back of the second skiff, a figure kneels with its hands bound and a bag over its head. One of the smugglers stands over the captive and says, Well, clearly you ain't one of the old town boys. I'm guessing you're a thief without a lot of brains. He yanks off the mask, revealing a humanoid rodent named Augie. Tell me who you are, and you might just make it out of here with some broken bones. Oh, well, uh, it seems you got the jump on me. And um, where are we? You're on our skiff. You broke up the whole meat, and this was supposed to be an easy deal. 
So now we're getting the hell out of here, and I don't know where the rest of your crew is, but you are not what we were expecting. There's a little chirp or whatnot on my collar. Oh, well, I wouldn't worry. They should be along any moment now. Suddenly, there is a huge blast to the chest of this guy by a laser, and he goes flying off the skiff and goes tumbling down into the forest below. A new hover skiff comes through the canopy and closes in on the smugglers. On board are the rest of our heroes determined to recover the metal box and save their friend Augie. One of the smugglers draws his pistol. Who are these guys? Epo, you are at the controls, steering with your left hand to dodge the trees while using your right hand on the vertical thruster to hold your distance off the ground. Your jets blast against the green trees as you narrowly avoid disaster. Sitting beside you in the open cabin is Devin, your cloaked ally. He's seen his fair share of crazy maneuvers out in space, but here racing through a forest with split second turns has him holding onto the dashboard with white knuckles and a fake smile. In the back of your skiff, two other heroes hold tight in the open flatbed in the rear. Kolsch, a six foot tall lion-headed soldier, reloads his rifle and tries to see which skiff has his friend Augie. Standing beside him is Catherine, who pulls the cat warrior down as a low-hanging branch sails just past where his head used to be. There are two skiffs loaded with smugglers dead ahead, one with your good friend Augie held captive and the other with the box you came here for. Get me a little closer. You're about 80 feet away from them right now. Trees are there zipping past you as you're trying to close in. Kolsch will uh, look for a clear shot where there's no trees coming into space and uh, take aim at one of the guys on Augie's skiff. Okay, go for it. Take a shot. Range attack. Non-natural 20. That's a big hit. For six points of damage. All right. Augie, the another guy. Nine points of damage. Another guy standing next to you. Hold on. I got to check his health then. Another guy standing next to you is also blasted completely off of the skiff. He goes flying. He grabs onto one edge and is hanging on by a few fingers. Uh, It's just those two in the back. There is one who's now hanging on to the back and then there's another one in the passenger seat of your skiff who's now climbing up to see what the hell is going on and then you have a driver of course uh-huh. I do a, a, a bite attack against the fingers <laughs> <on> the- <laughs> <laughs> alright make a melee attack roll that's your strength modifier plus your proficiency ooh strings <laughs> it's, it's teeth I see if he can fit my cheeks to it <laughs> Maybe a finger. Uh, 13. 13. You start biting and biting, and you are able to get at his fingers. <laughs> you do one point of damage, which is all he had left. He goes, ah, let's go. And he falls, and he has just enough consciousness to survive, except the 20-foot fall at breakneck speeds destroys him when he hits the forest the floor. most humiliating death ever. <laughs> Being nibbled to death. <laughs> oh, no, I've been nuzzled. A, a slender brown nose pulls away from the corner and dips behind the... What else would you guys like to do? How close are we now? 80 feet. All right. Well, Epo wants to try and get closer. All right, make a vehicles roll. Um, all right. So, uh, Epo is honing in on the skiff in front of him and says, There's two to choose from. Oh, right. On the right has Augie one and on the left has the box. The one on the right. Okay. Uh, and he leans over to Devin and says, Hold on. And Devin will hold on. 
That's uh, a 13. 13. You are closing in, and I'm going to make a roll for them as well. No, they're able to hold the distance at 80 feet. We shall see about that. Uh, Devin um, basically twiddles his fingers. <laughs> you make it sound so magical. I know. And a... Um, maybe a little... And a purple ball of energy forms in his hand, and he casts it out at... Uh, I guess, is there a driver? Yep. Okay, he of, will... Of which vehicle? Cast, uh, at the the vehicle with Augie in it. in it. Okay. Okay, so that is my force bolt. It is 120 feet. It is an energy beam. Shoots out from my hand, striking a creature within range, exploding on impact. Don't um, like the exploding part, but yeah. everything else sounded great. Okay, roll it. That would be a non-natural 20. Ooh. Doing... I assume that's a hit. That's a hit. Uh, three points of damage. All right, Augie, as you lift up with a little <laughs> bit of blood trickling off your adorable little snout, you duck back down as some weird purpley ball goes flying over and hits the driver. I hold the doctorate. Why? All of a sudden, I'm cute and cuddly. Uh, all right, how much damage one more time? Three. Three to that guy. Got it. Uh, okay, we have a Kulsh and a Catherine who haven't gone yet. I'm just going to look at Ebo and say... Get us a little closer so we can help out our friend and give him an inspiration. Oh, Ooh. all right. What does that do for me? You get to roll a d6 and add it to something in the next 10 minutes. Like okay. an ability check, maybe. Okay. There you go. <laughs> and you can decide after the 20 is rolled. Ooh, okay. All right. Yeah. All right. You feel suitably inspired. Oh, there's an inspiration die. Oh, thank you. Mm-hmm. Cool. Kolsch. I'll take aim at the driver of the other skiff. The one Actually, that's... hold on. You did yeah. fire it again. I did, yeah. You did. All right. Okay. There's a crap load of fire coming back at you guys. Um, a shot at the, I keep pointing, it's a shot at the driver. Totally missed. The passenger was critically hit, however. Lovely. Uh, Devin just got blasted. We'll do double damage for a critical. You have been hit for nine points of damage. Oh, and I am unconscious. Oh. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> I even gave you a cover bonus, but it doesn't matter. He's got a natural 20. So I'm even going to say it's the guy who was the passenger. He's climbing back and sees you hit his driver with this weird ball of energy. And he aims with his pistol and shoots and gets you right between the eyes. Epo, you see Devin just smack his head in the dash and go He's unconscious. Sad. I do. And Catherine just goes, oh, God, of course. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, oh, no. Okay, in the other vehicle where there's three guys in the back of it, they shoot, and one of them got a critical fumble, and he ends up blasting one of his own friends, uh, and does he... he heal me a couple points? He does not heal you. <laughs> with a shotgun. Uh, Healing shotgun. He takes a little six damage over there. All right, it's a new round. You guys can decide who goes first. Uh, Augie would like to go. Go for it. <laughs> the stakes are high for you. <laughs> the stakes are high for me. I have to be a little careful over this, though, because I'm being driven. <laughs> Regardless, what is the time of day, just to give it a theme? Great question. The time of day is late morning, early afternoon. The canopy is very shaded, and just as I say that, you burst out of the forest and out of the trees, at least you and the lead skiff, the two lead skiffs do. Okay. And you are not on a planet that is covered in forest. This is actually the f- dense forest section of a very 
well manicured, high quality city park, like a Central Park situation. Before you are grass fields with people out there laying in blankets. There's a huge lake with water. Just beyond that are huge steel and chrome skyscrapers with tons of glass and little ships flying everywhere. And these two skiffs start lowering down are now racing over the lake. There's also some sailboat action going on in this lake. And right behind you, you can see branches and leaves shatter and Epo and your friends are following right behind. Oh, and we're in this lake thing? Is that what's- You are on a skiff that is just over the lake about 20 feet. It's a terrible idea, but I do it anyway. What's that? I brace my hands onto the decking of the skiff that I'm on. Okay. There is a high pitch whine going about my collar like and then there's as electricity bolts through all manner of nook and cranny of this thing. Oh. And the, uh, in this particular case, using an EMP, a static circle okay. to discharge in there. So I choose, there are three other individuals in this skiff. Yes. What are they making? They're making a saving throw? Constitution saving throw. Okay. I've got a 20, an 11, and an 11. Uh, the last two will fail. Okay, and what happens to these guys? Shocking, I assume. Shocking. Do you want me to roll damage once? Yeah, one time. One time. Uh, they each take three points of damage. Okay. As electricity coruscates. I like that word, coruscates. I imagine there's the reason why I didn't do all kinds of damage was it gets absorbed in the water that we're passing over. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> it just ripples out. All right, you've got a wounded driver a little bit on your skiff, and you've got a pissed off and highly accurate passenger uh, who's now a little bit wounded, who is stepping into the back flatbed area of your skiff, and it will be aiming at you. Does my box close? <laughs> you're not in a box. Oh, I thought it was in a oh, box. Oh, so Epo is maneuvering their uh, hovercrafts uh, closer to the skiff that Augie is in. All right. All right, that's a 19. 19. You close the distance, you're now within 30 feet of these people. Sorry, 17. Oh, you're 35 feet of these people. <laughs> okay. Womp womp. Uh, yeah, and you brace, you're coming in fast. You're coming in a little low though at this time and you're there about 20 feet up. And as you sped up, you're losing a little bit of vertical lift and you are now just a few feet off of the water and you're creating that sweet anime rift <laughs> in the water as you go, yeah. go by it. Ground effect. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to give Devin's face a little pat. <laughs> Slap. No, I'm not sure I like where this is going. A little pat and... Uh, we will miss you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Does he know how to swim? <laughs> he can skip well. <laughs> Twist him as he goes. Uh, and I'm just gonna, I'm gonna uh. give him a little field remedy. And as he wakes up, say, try to keep together, buddy. Did we win? <laughs> <laughs> All right. She jabs you with some sort of injection, tries to say some encouraging words. Uh, that's eight points. Eight points? Oh, wow. You're back up to <laughs> <laughs> I feel very good. Thank you. Fully sitting, fully erect. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> no, no thanks. <laughs> she gave him the blue pill instead of the green pill. I don't need that kind of appreciation. I don't know. into my mind for some reason. Uh, we have a cult. Do I see the passenger get out of 
uh, of the cab, and I'm gonna fire at his face. Yeah, you essentially see Augie sitting on the ground. I'm imagining cross-legged with a big grin on his face because he just did this cool pulse, looking backwards at you, Coles. Like, look what I did! Right behind him is a pistol that's being pointed at his <laughs> yep. head. Uh, eighteen. Eighteen hits Jeez. these guys with uh, eleven points of oh, damage. Gosh. Yes. Yes. No more head. There is. You feel a hand and a pistol drop behind you, and you feel moistness all in the back of your head fur. There, Augie. Just, it just goes into my matted. I just. I use it to coat me down. We're coming for you, August. Ah! Devin, you can still go. Um, how far away are we right now? Thirty-five and a quarter feet away. <laughs> and there's. Just the driver left? There's just the driver left on the right skiff holding Augie. Okay, and there is the a other left skiff. skiff that is now peeling off, and they've got the loot in the box, and there are three guys in the back and a driver. Three guys in the back and a driver. Okay. They're also heading right towards a birthday party <laughs> in the grass. And they're with I, balloons and flags on streamer ties. Yeah. I guess they're more than, are they less than 60 feet away? They are just around 60, so you're good there. Okay. Happy so, second birthday um, to me. Devin's, Devin's <laughs> eyes kind of um, glow blue for a moment, and one of the guys in the back um, has a, unleashes a wave of psychic feedback. Upon one creature your choice, racking with terrible pain, the target must make a wisdom saving throw. Oh, they're not known for this. On a failed save, it takes 3d6 damage and must immediately use its reaction, if available, to move as far as its speed allows. (laughs) (laughs) Now, the creature doesn't move into obviously dangerous ground, such as fire or pit, uh, but on a successful save, the target takes half as much damage. All right, he rolled a three, and with minus one is a two on his saving throw. So he just took uh, 14 points of damage. And should he not be dead, he must now, uh, I guess if we're over the water, I would assume he probably jumps. Yeah. Did you just burst his brain? I probably did, yes. Oh, brutal. Synaptically recoiled him into oblivion. (laughs) Okay. His last memory is of his mother. (laughs) They are firing back at your group, trying to shoot your driver, ooh, and hit you, uh, Epo, with a big strike. This could be really bad for you guys. I only have two gambits. <laughs> Please keep it together. Uh, you have been hit for seven points of piercing damage. Yay. I rolled almost max. More shots are being fired. Uh, that is a miss at the cat Kolsch. Yes. And a fifth, no, 14 to hit Kolsch. No. Huh? Oh. Kolsch blocks it, or it hits you in the chest, but just yeah. no damage. <laughs> um, and then we need to, he's going to try and fly away. Oh, oh, they're not flying well at all. All right, new round. What would you guys like to do? Augie would like to go next. Augie. <laughs> uh, so uh, Augie's sitting there, feet dangling over the edge. He's just enjoying himself as these people behind him. He's only got the driver in his vehicle, correct? Yes. Only the driver, okay. Who also has, like, Samuel L. Jackson blood all over the back of side of his head. <laughs> uh, Why am I cleaning brains out of the back? <laughs> uh, ignoring him, but Augie takes up this position and uh, begins to cycle some information and buttons on his collar. Uh, pretty soon, a little blue display appears in front of him that is reminiscent of the controls of the other vehicle okay. as I establish a remote connection to its driving controls Oh, wow. and begin to jink it back into 
What's the range on that? 90 feet. And it lets you make a normal connection with normal controls over the thing, right? That's correct. All right. So you can do that. And what I need you to do now is he's, this is the uh, vehicle left that's going away with a bunch of people in the box, right? Correct. You start messing with the controls. He sees that weird things are happening and it's saying like, turn right, slow down. He's trying to override it. We need to do a computers versus computers roll, please. Okay. I will be engaging my inspiration. Nice. I got a 12. You got a 12? I'm still in, I'm going for style points if I can. Uh, here we go. 12 and mine is that. And what have I got here? I got a 19. 19. What did you want to have happen to their vehicle? Uh, it goes smoothly for a bit. Unexpected. I see him fiddling with the controls and when he least expect it, I cut hard left. In, in towards our direction away from Timmy's little party. Okay. And start, you know, jerking the boat back and forth to try and dislodge some of the people that might actually be on it. Or All right. Up. You start changing the angle away from the party up ahead, and now you're starting to go left and right, and you're definitely messing with their uh, their aim for sure. Who else would like to go? Nice. Uh, did that pull that skiff within 30 feet of us? Yes. Okay, fantastic. I would like to go there. Okay. <laughs> The, uh, I'm scared. Again, eyes kind of uh, phase blue for a moment, and uh, Devin concentrates very uh, emphatically upon the driver and will cast Primal Fear upon him. He has to make a wisdom saving throw. Should he fail, he is incapacitated and can do nothing for the duration, which is concentration up to a minute. He basically, it says he will fall prone, becoming incapacitated. He rolled a three. Okay, so he is unable to drive. He's frozen with fear. <laughs> Why is my vehicle ghost floor. now? <laughs> and um, Devin is just concentrating on doing that. Uh, concentration is up to a minute. Okay. Uh, we're going to go back to Augie then. You have 100% complete control of this vehicle now. Okay. Uh, what do you want to do? It is traveling at a very high rate of speed. It's going very fast. You have control over all three axes of movement. <laughs> There's a box on it that we need. I oh, think. yeah, there's a box that we need. Have, it, have we gone by the birthday party, by the way? Uh, you guys <laughs> yeah, are closing in on it now, yes. <laughs> uh, this one's running on the edge of the lake where the uh, grass, the beautiful manicured grass, meets the blue water. Meets the blue water, okay. Uh, let's see. Well, I want to jarringly uh, dislodge the people as best I can, so I will stop the boat. Give it a bit so that it, the the tip grazes the water. Okay. And just just, just sh- and just big splash. Are you trying stuff. to flip the boat? Yeah, let's flip the boat. Okay. Make a piloting roll, please. <laughs> vehicles. Do you have vehicles proficiency? I have no such thing. Everyone has vehicles just, proficiency, <laughs> apparently. Just roll your decks mod. I learned on my Microsoft Flight Sim is what I'm doing. <laughs> okay, Captain Rich. <laughs> hey, not bad. What am I rolling? Just this? your decks mod. Just my decks mod. Two. Uh, 19. 19's wow. great. You bring the vehicle down in at speed with a slightly pitched down at attitude. It hits, the nose hits, and then the thing flips, sending bodies and metal crates 
and Skiff and one just horrified driver, <laughs> he's having a really bad morning, sends them flying everywhere. One of them goes flying into the uh, grass, takes a bunch of damage. Another one hits the water and skips twice. The driver hits the water and disappears down into the water. And the last one goes hurtling and snaps some flags and bounces into some inflatable anti-grav <laughs> ball castle that Timmy was using at his birthday party. And the whole thing is starting to just fizzle down and make little squeaky noises as the air and gravity starts to deflate and gravity deflates. <laughs> it's called a black hole. Do you see where the box goes? Yes, you see the box. It has just hit the edge of the water and is quickly sinking out of view. And we're within, uh, how many feet are we within? You're within 20 feet and closing fast. Okay. Or do you want to continue after Augie's? That's the question. Um, nah, Ippo, Ippo thinks that Augie has shit under control. He's got so, control. So <laughs> There's he, still the driver. No one ever thinks that. <laughs> he wants to... Yeah, Augie still has a driver on this. Yeah. He wants to just slam on the brakes so that we can get to this crate before it submerges. Okay. You make a piloting roll and see how uh, fast and quickly you can get there. That's uh, 18. You bring the skiff in, you whip it around 180 degrees, bring it low to the ground. Cool little hover stuff is spraying water out of the way. Uh, you cannot see the metal crate anymore, but you know exactly where it just dropped down in. There are people screaming and running away from the party everywhere. Uh, it's chaos about maybe 30 feet away. It's okay. Do not mind us. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go Blue energy searing off of I'm him. I'm going to look at Colch and say, come on, bud, and I'm going to jump in the water after that crate. Before that, I'm going to take a shot at the driver of the other skiff. All right. That... He is getting away. He's about 70 feet. Oh, total. Okay. Super good. Range is still good. A uh, 21. 21. <laughs> wow. With uh, 10 points of damage. <laughs> All right. So good news, bad news, Augie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the driver of your skiff, and mind you, you still have like your hands bound. The driver of your skiff slumps over and your vehicle is descending and then pitching to the right a bit uh, <laughs> as it's heading down towards uh, the water itself as well. And you're going the opposite direction away from your friends. Catherine, you just dove into the water, mm -hmm. and uh, Cole, she made your shot. Catherine, make a athletics roll, please. It's going to be so good. Ah, 14. 14. You dive down in, and you take one point of damage as you dive into the metal crate itself. <laughs> <laughs> but you did find it. Got, Very I, got, I got it. I got it. <laughs> And you uh, stand on it, and you're about waist high in the water when you stand on it. She has this big welt on her head. Yeah, and I do like one of those like neck like, <laughs> cracking things and put it back into position and say, "All right, we've we've got it. We've got this cleared." You, you found it. <laughs> I'm, Good job. Thank, oh. Thanks. <laughs> From the beach, one of the guys who uh, hit the ground stands up, covered in. Uh, grass and dirt, stands up, pulls his pistol out and shoots at Catherine unaware and his gun sparks from being damaged and blasts into his hand. He takes a point of damage, his weapon is ruined. He does not get the shot off. <laughs> that guy's in the water, that guy's in the water, that guy's dead. New round, what would you guys like to do? Augie would like to go. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> what is my range to the driver? Range to the driver is 
two to three feet. Two to three feet. Let's call so, it. Two and a half. So 120 foot range is pretty good. Pretty good. All right. Uh, and I change my, my remote desktop from the other boat to this one. Okay. Without changing position. I just change the settings a bit and... So you're looking backwards off your skiff at the HUD display concept Mm -hmm. of your skiff's controls, now trying to control But I'm facing backwards. Right. (laughs) Driving forward. All right, make a driving roll, and let's do it with disadvantage, please. Everything's kind of weirdly inverted-ish. You're going to see weirdly inverted in just a second. (laughs) Just a second. Uh, Let's see. A five plus, what would I have? Uh, Dex. Dex again? Eight. An eight? An eight. All right. You are able to successfully get your skiff to plunge violently into the water. (laughs) 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 It's hard. You go flying and you need to make a, um, I was going to say reflex saving throw. Let's do a dexterity saving throw if you would please. Dexterity saving throw. That is not one of my bonus ones, I don't believe. It's already baked into your sheet. A 12. 12. You go flying and you see some water. This is like <laughs> slow motion, like that dream you have when, you know, when you're floating, you're coming down towards I, the I ground. try to bank myself a bit so I get the bouncy castle bit. <laughs> uh, you see the water and you're hoping to hit the water, but you quickly see in nanosecond time, you're going a little bit long Uh-oh. and you hit the ground instead and yeah. you take 1d6 points of damage. Oh, you only take one point of damage. When you hit the ground, then you hit it a second time (laughs) for one point of damage again. (laughs) And you come to a gentle halt between two lovers laying on a blanket watching the proceedings. So they're laying on this blanket and you just come sliding in between the two of them. Can I, can I slide into GQ pose? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Just hits at him. With his bloody nose. (laughs) And, and are they are they eating anything? Oh, absolutely! Your okay, hands I, are free. Now. I have I have a quick uh, attempt at whatever food that they have, wedge it in my mouth, and run away. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you've just done primal fear to these people. Isn't it? <laughs> Favorite enemy. <laughs> All right, what else we got? How so? There's two guys in the water left. Oh, uh, there's one guy you can see swimming. He's now trying to swim to the beach. And there's a uh, inflatable, bouncy, anti-grav castle that's moving around, and all the children have left it. Okay. And the guy that had the pistol that blew up. Oh, yeah. Then there's him, too. Yeah. You should surrender now. And he, he he's is running. holding a purple... Oh, he's running. He's away. running now. Okay. As soon as you say that. Purple ball of energy dissipates, and he lets them go. How far away? <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> he's uh, 50 feet. <laughs> this massive, high-powered, heavy rifle starts to charge up yep, again. Shoot him. <laughs> you could set it to stun. Oh, uh, natural twenty. Oh! There's no stun setting. Can, you, had, can you set it to stun? No. Oh, yeah. well. You had that option removed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what is this safety? What is this? So you're gonna roll. You roll the dice. Mm-hmm. Add your modifier. Then just roll the dice again. We'll do it that way. We'll stick with official. Uh, 13. Even better. 
13 points of damage to this already badly wounded guy. You send him uh, dropping to the ground with a huge section missing out of his left torso section and blasting his blood and gore all across the gift table of the birthday party. Sorry, kiddos. And they're screaming <laughs> everywhere from a bunch of five-year-olds. How far it's away actually, is the party? Congratulations on your dialysis party. <laughs> <laughs> Halfway far away from the party, are we? Uh, you're about 50, 60 feet. All right. Uh, I'm going to say, Kolsch, get this box onto our skiff, and I'm going to run over, and I'm going to grab the cake. Swim over? <laughs> and I'm going to bring it we back. Are bad people. <laughs> okay. This is going to take years of therapy for these poor children. <laughs> You go running, uh, you jump over the corpse. You they don't need this anymore. They're too scared. <laughs> you grab the cake. <laughs> oh this, is, this is why we brought the mystic. You go in, blank everyone's mind, and we raid the party. It's not men in black. <laughs> <laughs> and it says, and on the cake, as you pick it up, it's a generic sheet cake from the local store, and it says, Happy birthday, Timmy. Get well soon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I see that. Get I cut soon. off a slice and eat it. All right. <laughs> The get well soon part. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay, there's still uh, an inflatable castle dude and a guy who's now just swam to shore. Ippo, you haven't done anything in a bit. Ippo uh, will take out his light pistol. How far away is this from the shore guy? 30 feet. Okay. He'll take out his light pistol and uh, aim. Okay. And 14. 14 hits. Uh, he just gets out of the water, stands up. Ten, or sorry, four points. Four points of damage. He gets hit and splashes back into the water. He's still alive and is trying to do this you got me thing <laughs> and is floating away. <laughs> but you see his mouth turn up a little bit to get a breath of air every few moments. Uh, you can go ahead and take another shot if you want. Okay, yep, we'll do that. He's taking no effort to, to protect himself. Oh, it doesn't count. Uh, you get advantage on the attack. Oh. I got a two and a three. <laughs> you feel guilty and you shoot and you miss the poor guy who's almost defenseless. Augie, you're good. What else do you guys want to do? I'll, I'll jump in the water and put the crate on our skiff. Is it locked? It is locked. Okay. Then I'll just tie it down and secure it. Okay. Uh, you see Catherine running back with the spoils of war. Do we know if it's watertight or not? Uh, you don't know that. I'm going to get in the skiff, and I'm going to say, guys, look what I found. This is amazing. It's chocolate. It's so good. You stole that from kids. I thought of you. I thought you'd want some. Oh, I do. Ipo <laughs> uh, says, make sure that the crate is sealed. Devin will check the crate then. Okay. Um, you check the crate. The crate is a metal cube. <clears throat> okay that has strange circular symbols on it, the likes of which you have never seen before. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And it has no apparent locking mechanism or ha uh, hatch or hinge or anything like that. So it's not possible to open? Uh, nothing comes to mind. Devin will like touch the symbols. We'll kind of see if there's any like, you know, push button in the symbols or anything like that. Okay. Nothing seems to be working. Um, shake it a little bit. Okay. <laughs> you hear puppies cry. <laughs> it's waterproof. <laughs> oh, God. Um, 
Do I think, uh, so I have the distant reachability where I can create a minor telekinetic effect. Uh, basically, I can use an action to generate a kinetic energy with a minor hand motion. Well, it doesn't create a new concept, an object, though. open an unlocked door or container, and it can't, like... It's, it's not a, a knock spell. It's okay. just a... If, uh, so it is locked, though. There's there's not even a hand. There's no opening. You, this could just be a solid cube, for all you know, but it's not that heavy. Oh, okay. And you were told they were trying to sell something. Okay. Fine China. <laughs> it seems fine. I do not, uh, it, it seems intact. A shot fires out from the inflatable anti-grav castle <laughs> and it is fired at Catherine with a 14. That hits. That is a hit. This is the last guy standing and his blast Man, I have rolled max or almost max every time. You are hit for seven points of damage. Okay. Brutal. Oh, God. Did I bleed into the cake? <laughs> That's up to you. <laughs> I do not. All I, right. like, hold my arm to bloody away from it. And I'm like, Kolsh, here. Protect the <laughs> Protect red velvet. <laughs> In a minute. And uh, I'll take aim. I want the flower. <laughs> I can see this guy you through sure the bouncing can. castle. Yeah. Hmm. 26. Jeez. Oh, and uh, 12. Oh, he had three left. Uh, you blast him, and they lost you any chance of a refund they had the on that. <laughs> so much for I the I kind of wanted to just like. <gasps> hey, yeah. Uh, just in deflates deflate around, down him. around him. Timmy's in it with one hope of joy, and it just <laughs> deflates. <laughs> You've got the box on board your skiff. There is but one criminal remaining who's trying to float away. Anyone want to do anything? Are you guys good? <laughs> Epo wants to try and redeem himself. <laughs> there is. Epo hovers slowly. Piloting. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he gets point blank. Boy, this guy really is dead, huh? <laughs> Redemption, you're gonna heal him now. <laughs> no. <laughs> you get advantage on the roll. Put him out of his misery. Epo the Merciless. Or merciful. <laughs> Whatever. Something. Sexy. Okay, that's a t- non natural 20. All right. Uh, and because you had advantage, you get to add your Death Strike D6 to the damage. Oh, yeah. For a. Well, how is this attack going down? He's hovered right over the guy and is point blank shooting at the guy's floating back. Oh, I thought he was using the boat. And I'm like, how no. is he, is he just jumping on his side? That's 11. 11 points of damage. A horrible way to go. smithereens. You've got the box on board the skiff. You've got, most importantly, the cake on board the skiff. Very important. And you... Augie, are you coming? You see Augie is catching up along the beach. I've got various foodstuffs I've stolen from different people. <laughs> is there anything of, uh, yes. I'll, be, I'll be the guy to ask, is there anything of note on any of these guys or in the other skiffs? Nope. Nope. Nope, nope, nope. You're good. And it's an hour later. You guys are in the city of Circos, which is a major city on the planet Haven. And the Planet Haven is the capital <clears throat> of the Alliance. The Alliance is a huge conglomeration of planets that have bond together for trade, for government purposes, for safety. Uh, it's a pretty big region of space. 
Within that region of space is a group of law enforcement officials known as the Prophets, of which the five of you belong. These Prophets are an old school group that primarily used to do almost like uh, secret service type work for high-ranking government officials. Over the years, they became more militaristic and uh, participated in a lot of wars and got a great reputation as being very loyal and honorable towards the Alliance. In the last few decades, they've grown to more information gathering and support to different planets throughout the world needing different types of personnel, not just people that can blow up uh, enemies with high-powered weapons like Kolsch, but they also need uh, diplomats, they need engineers, they need lots of help, and you guys are the newest recruits of the Prophets. You have arrived at the Citadel, of which I have an absolutely amazing picture coming right now. The Citadel is located within the city, not far from the council and president offices. It's a imposing structure, angled. It's very big and very tall. Kind of has a, a stone, a steel sci-fi fusion material that comes across as a bit, a little bit gothic and a little bit um, Spartan in in feel. So it's grandiose. It's almost like a high-tech castle if you will. It's got huge, like 30 foot doorways to walk into. The surfaces tend to be very smooth and reflective, almost marble-ish. And this place is big. It used to house many, many prophets over many, many years. But these days they don't have many in their ranks and it is the likes of you who now roam the halls. You guys have had time to rest a bit, so you've definitely had a short rest if that helps any of you. It does and you walk in, some of you a bit bedraggled. Oh, also if you ever go unconscious and get brought back up, we have a custom rule of you gain a level of exhaustion until you take a long rest, just so we're not yo-yoing back and forth. Same rules apply. Yeah. One level of exhaustion. You guys walk in and your immediate destination is the quartermaster of the citadels. This is a man by the name of Quartermaster Creve. He is a slightly tallish fellow with, uh, he's of a, of a race that has no hair and has little uh, thick flanges off the side of his head that attach like mid head down to his shoulders, has kind of an orangey complexion. And he sees you and greets you all with a smile. His smile gets even bigger when he sees some of you are bloodied or wet or who knows what. <laughs> Greetings, prophets! Brother Grief. Quartermaster, so good to see you. Yes, oh, it looks like you have found the box. Indeed, where should we bring it? Uh, right here to my table. Good work, good work. Looks like no one got uh, too hurt in the uh, mission. And I just, like, rub my head a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, absolutely, we was... Very, very easily in hand. Are you damaged, present? I am. It's fine. Uh, Augie charges forth with a uh, a bloated syringe of bluish, silvery material <laughs> with a needle that's like twelve gauge. <laughs> Catherine and plunges it into the side of Catherine. All right, you take a point of damage, but then how much? How much do you heal? 
This is your big heel that you're doing? Uh, yeah, yeah, this is, uh... Mid-sentence, Catherine, <laughs> you are injected. And I just try to, like, hold my composure, <laughs> but, like, a little tear comes out. It's, it's part healing juice and part hyper-Botox. <laughs> <laughs> your leg just goes straight for hours. <laughs> uh, oh my god. Uh, ten points. Oh, wow. I feel so good. <laughs> wow, we got some extreme rolls already. Yeah. Yes. Feel um, like a little too good. Oh no! That'll that'll heal in a week. <laughs> you don't you don't have exhaustion though. Oh, I don't. No, no, because you weren't knocked unconscious. You weren't knocked unconscious. Oh, right. I was. Yeah, yeah right. Okay. Uh, Devin okay. was the only one that uh, was unconscious. Epo stands there, a little slumped over. There is a battle cry as Augie charges forward <laughs> with a bloated needle of <laughs> roll initiative. <laughs> and you are healed for eight points that of damage. That works. Oh, nice. Uh-huh. Who's next? <laughs> There's this bedraggled, <laughs> bedraggled uh, rat form. <laughs> and um i just look at the quartermaster and i'm just like we did very well thank you (laughs) this is a rare find i was glad you're able to track it down and get it from those criminals i am very curious how to get this box open he says oh well you need to know how to unlock a serilon sphere and it's a little like this, and he doesn't show you, and instead he's got, <laughs> he's got, it's six sides, right? He's got the side facing him on his side of this giant thick oak desk thing, and he's doing little drawings on the engravings, and you can see a light appearing, mm, and that, then you go here. That did not work, I already tried that. <laughs> and he steps back, and you can see a light appear on the top, on the right and left sides, and then the light, it, connects to create a seam and he says uh, your leader Captain Valencia specifically asked that you uh, Devin complete the opening of this if you just reach in and open oh, I would be pleased he steps back uh, he takes another step <laughs> Devin takes a he, step co- he covers his eyes in his ball <laughs> Devin shrugs and tosses it open. Uh, You toss it open and inside is a bright white light in a little spherical ball shape. Uh, It's a little blinding at first, but then you see it. And wherever you happen to be, Devin, this little sphere tends to... uh, slightly morph out of a sphere and move somewhat in your direction. It is beautiful. And Devin will reach in to like pick it up. He holds out a hand. <laughs> don't, don't, don't touch. Do not touch the Serilon sphere. <laughs> Devin stops. <laughs> there are uh, those who believe, including your captain and myself, that there can be a connection made with a Serilon sphere. Devin's like, 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 Resisting the touching. Do you want to make a wisdom save? It is known to have a a benefit with computers and interacting with networks. And with so few 
who are able to use the esper and mystical arts like yourself, uh, we hope that this might uh, help our agency in the future. What does it do? It interacts with computers, helping their security. I've been reading uh, some old literature about them, and they have been known. I say they, I hear stories of them perhaps having a a bit of a, uh, I think personality is too strong of a word, but a, 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 a true connection with the system they are in, the computer system, the perhaps the profit mainframe itself. Um, and we hope that this will will help us, but I will need some time and we'll let you know what the results are. I'm going to take a moment and like mentally try and reach out to it to see if he can get like a sense of it at all. Right. all. Make an insight roll, please. All right. Uh, seven. Seven. Nope. Okay. Fantastic. <laughs> As to be expected. Augie tries to reach out. (laughs) (laughs) He says, well, uh, and he takes it and um, moves it to a back area. (laughs) Well, come back and uh, connect with me before you head off on another mission. I'm sure I'll find something for you. Thank you so much, Quartermaster. Thank you, Creep. What would you guys like to do? As we exit, I leave a small piece of cake for him. (laughs) You're just, you're just carrying this thing around. <laughs> I mean, we've eaten most of it. I just, like, I saved a piece. All right, I Game need you to three. get Catherine's character sheet out. Mark down, you have 11 units of cake available. <laughs> <laughs> Keep track of this. This is very important stuff. There's only, like, four units left after Cole shows. <laughs> <laughs> There's, like, claw marks. Yeah. <laughs> what would you guys like to do? Uh, we're supposed to go see the captain, right? Sure. Uh, shall we go see the captain now? I believe he is expecting us. Absolutely. Very good. You guys uh, head off towards where you can find the captain. You pass by the training yard. You guys have spent a lot of time there over the last few months, honing individual skills and then working together as a group, which has been the weakest part of your training so far. (laughs) You can see your training master is there. He nods as you walk by. You head past a bunch of uh, quarters for the personnel here, and you have your pick. There are rooms that can hold dozens and dozens and dozens of people, and most of these beds are uh, not used. There just are not enough profits to fill the space, if you will. Are there others, though? There are a few others, yep. They, their numbers are low because they're very finicky on, very picky about who they select. They want people of good moral caliber, highly skilled. I don't know why they picked you guys. People that won't steal cake for ill birthday boys. And you walk past that and you head towards the briefing room. In here, it is like a cramped, almost like a cramped theater or a very cramped classroom. It's got tiered, big giant steps, if you will, and on those big plateau steps are chairs with desks with little computers that stick out. This is where they could have a meeting of 40, 50 profits and go over some big engagement plan or a huge operation. In the front section of the, the lowest section as well, there are three chairs, the tallest one and then two slightly smaller ones. And in one of the slightly smaller ones is where your commander, Captain Valencia, 
is standing working at a uh, computer. He looks back over his shoulder as you guys come in the door. It's slightly darkened room, except for the little, I call it a stage, where all of these chairs and seats point and look at, and there it's brightly lit. And uh, Valencia looks at you guys and does a little head motion to head towards the head towards the briefing stage. Um, we'll walk forward. Okay, Captain. We brought the cake. <laughs> I I gave the rest of the cake away. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> we did not bring any cake. You take your take center stage. The captain continues punching away in his data pad. He looks up and says, so we've got word that you completed your assignment. Tell me how it broke down. Absolutely, Captain. We uh, found the smugglers and we uh, had a, a bit of a scuffle, but in the end, uh, as a team, we got together and we found this Cerulean sphere. We've delivered it to Quartermaster Creve and we're here for our next orders. Devin fell asleep. <laughs> uh, Only briefly. Yes. It was not very eventful uh, mission. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then you feel a needle jab into your side. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, you're fully healed. Excuse me. <laughs> All of the smugglers were dispatched. Any civilian issues we should know about? It was a populated area. We, uh, we avoided any civilian casualties. There were witnesses. <laughs> uh, they, we, we may have interrupted something like a party. Lot, really not much happened. I mean, it should be fine. A mild disturbance. <laughs> and I just, like, wipe frosting. <laughs> <laughs> He's making a note. Mild disturbance dash frosting. <laughs> It is Augie disgorges a picnic basket out on the ground. <laughs> and one lover. <laughs> well, you have certainly proven yourself to your training master, and this shows you can certainly follow through with the orders given, and I, I had high expectations, and you've met them. Here, and he hands out little IDs for you guys. He says, these are your identification for the prophets. These passes can also be used to hide your identification of prophets, and you can put in a false ID so that you can only be revealed as a law enforcement team when you deem it necessary, just in case you happen to be captured. Can we put any false ID in this? Indeed. Like. So are they like badges? Or are they like little, can you describe them? They're name tags that says, hi, my name is yeah. Colch. I'm totally not a prophet. <laughs> totally not. <laughs> you turn it over, just totally a prophet totally on the a other prophet. side. <laughs> That's the high tech solution. <laughs> yeah, we'll say they're like on a clear credit card type cool things, you know? He looks at his computer pad and says, then I'll give you a choice of assignments. There is a network out there called the Safety Network that different planets and groups can reach out to. Tends to 
deal with mercenaries, get hired through there. But I also like to skim through there for any work that comes up. It's a good indication of where issues might be. I've got two missions, one from that network and one not from it. There's a group of religious folks. They live out on a ship who've reached out specifically to us, the prophets, through back channels, requesting a visit. The details are not specific and given to me, but I can tell you that this request was made through the Alliance Minister of Education. Uh, Do we know what type of religion? He looks in his data pad and says, uh, Stridens by the name of it. And I, do we know anything about the Stridens? Are they, who they're affiliated with? What god they worship? I don't have that information. Does Devin happen to know? Uh, you I can may? make a lore roll. Uh, that will be a 14. You see Devin just nodding, like, just wait till the meeting's over. I got this covered. <laughs> So they reached out to the Minister of Education, who is somehow known to these people, and then uh, a friend to us here at the Prophets. So the ministers made a personal request for us to uh, visit these folks, find out whatever it is they need. I have coordinates for their location, and I have a contact named Shanir. This other one here, this one I came uh, pulled off of the safety network. There's an isolated town called Selor. It's on a world some distance away. Looks like some local law enforcement law enforcement officers have tried to hire some replacements, um, even reaching out to mercenaries since they can't get a lot of uh, bite on the work. And it seems to be a limited um, position for only a month. That seems to me to be something of interest. We might be able to help. That might be something that interests us. Money-wise, we're not looking for payment, obviously. Uh, they're part of our alliance. <clears throat> and I've got coordinates for that location. I'd recommend seeing if there's any law enforcement there who's in charge and seeing what they need. And, of course... Well, I'm expecting you now as full agents of the Prophets to keep your eyes and ears open. You need to be taking the initiative and finding problems that are going to affect the Alliance and removing these problems before they become greater issues. Keep me apprised as needed. Very good. You're dismissed. Thank you, Captain. Thank you, Captain. Thank you, Captain. <laughs> And you guys leave. Colch wants to go find his quarters, um, and he has uh, something real quick to do. He's going to take his rifle out and uh, put four notches into it. Okay. <laughs> You're going to destroy that weapon. Yeah, I know. You get <laughs> <laughs> All right, you put some notches in there. You've got your bed. Your bed also has like this little jingly bell that hangs oh, a couple yeah. inches down. Yeah. And it's more, it's just like a pile of blankets yeah. more than it is a bed. In the middle of the night, just poking out. Yeah. <laughs> Cardboard box. Yes. Yeah. And you, you hear it just come away and roll across the floor in the middle of the night, and you're, damn it! <laughs> <laughs> Stunning away. <laughs> and the sounds of sand scratching oh, yeah. away. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 
Late night sandbox. <laughs> Late night sandbox. Oh, yeah. I'm going to uh, find Devin and say, "Hey, it sounded like you understood a little bit of something about the Stridens. Do you have any knowledge about them that we could use in this potential uh, work that we might do?" And what is my knowledge of the Stridens? <laughs> you know the Stridens as a group who believe in a, a higher force, not necessarily a god, but a higher force, and their concept is mastering a skill that's your thing. So each individual becomes as, as good as they can about it. Sometimes it gets a little fervent, a little too intense, so they tend to get a little ostracized from the more popular uh, face, if you will. They just look, they can be sometimes a little weird. Uh, just because they focus on each one focuses on their one thing. Gotcha. They are a, a fairly esoteric group that uh, they uh, really try to master a single skill. Mm. Uh, they're sort of similar to um, to my own beliefs, but uh, very a little in in they they over they over expertise, and uh, sometimes that can be. A little disconcerting to to people, and they um, are often um, very solitary in their um, pursuits. Devin, you know we've never really talked about your own beliefs. I know that you sometimes started to, and I shut you down. But perhaps now you tell me a little bit more. What are <laughs> why are you here? What are you trying to accomplish? Devin looks really excited. Somebody wants to listen. To him. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you'd come around. A PowerPoint projector gets wheeled out. Squeaky, <laughs> squeaky. Uh, well, the um, I am a follower of the universal source, which is it is everywhere. It is everything. Uh, and once you can still your mind, uh, you can learn to hear it, and it can help guide you to your your goals. Um, and if you just allow it to. Uh, and can help you, uh, almost more importantly, avoid pitfalls uh, along that path of your goals. Kolsch comes running across the room to one side, <laughs> running across the room to the other side. Well, that's... <laughs> <laughs> well, that's very interesting. All right, well, it sounds like we have an opportunity to help some people that could usually help themselves and seem to be unable to do so. And then some people who are having also a hard time. Let's get the group together and talk about our options. You guys are gathered in your quarters. Bunch I, of bunk bed type things. I, I just like, I see Kolsch <laughs> and I'm just like, hey, bud, just, just, and, and I just like slowly take his bell away. And I'm like, you can get us back after. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we have two options. I don't know, you mess with a cat with a heavy rifle. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm going to take your ball away. That's five on the side. <laughs> All right. So it seems we have a couple options here. Is anybody gravitating towards something specific? Uh, I do have some thoughts. Of course. Devin, take it away. The Stridents, I do have a connection with them. They are, like I said uh, to Catherine earlier, they are uh, almost like a a a brother organization to to my own and it does seem like they would be strong allies as well as potentially currying favor with the minister of education it seems to be uh, something that 
may be of benefit to our group and to the prophets as a whole. Ipo says, I agree. Let's go. <laughs> Absolutely. I, my only concern is that it sounds like this town, Salor, is in trouble. There might be something going on that could be affecting the whole town in a negative way. But of course, the information is shaky. Anybody else have any ideas? I, I say we, uh, we, we go with the one that's important to Devin. These law enforcement officials can probably hold on for a little while. And they, the law enforcement people have opened the, uh, their offer to multiple sources, whereas I believe we are perhaps the only, the only potential rescue for these dreadens. Absolutely. Augie, what do you think? Uh, Augie has annoyingly taken the top bunk and thuds down. Well, all of this doesn't really matter if we can't travel anywhere. We need a ship. That's a good point. Let's go talk to the quartermaster. Quartermaster? Yes? Yes. <laughs> I believe we have been asked to seek him out after we speak to the captain. Wonderful. And I, I you know, I, I tried to give him a little something to see if he could give us a, a decent ship out of this. Okay. What are you giving him? I gave him the cake, man. Oh. <laughs> that was precious cargo. Right. <laughs> you guys head to the quartermaster then. Quartermaster Creve is there. He sees you coming and smiles. Ah, yes. I knew you were to be... Full agents, even when you came by earlier. Well done, well done. Thank you, Quartermaster. I've got uh, word you have uh, just a level one assignment here. So uh, I have been authorized to give you this. And he puts a crappy little crate in front of you on his <laughs> table and slides it over. Augie, or not Augie. Oh, oh yes, Augie. Augie's there. Ipo uh, <laughs> walks up to the desk to see what's in the crate. All right, you flip it open. Inside, you see there are two healing injections. They're about the third the size of what Augie's been stabbing you guys with. Uh, these are healing injections. There are two of them. They will heal you 2d4 plus 2. Uh, you'll have to decide who's going to get what. There are two smoke grenades. And there are, there is one flash grenade, Mark One. Let's divide these up after we're, we're not in front of the quartermaster. <laughs> the fist fight begins. Right. <laughs> he also says, "I have been authorized to give you a small amount of incidental uh, monetary compensation. I just need your cards." And he holds out his hand. Yeah. Takes your cards, slides them through his, his anti-credit card machine, and he's like, oh, I have to insert. And he puts it in, and <laughs> he uh, gives you guys 200 credits each wow. for any spending necessities. And he hands them back and looks proud. You're welcome. Oh, thank you so much. That was very, very generous. Looks like we're going to be heading out soon. Best of luck. Is there... <laughs> <laughs> Very kind of you. <laughs> you know, is there, is there, how do you recommend that we go and onto our first official profit mission? I know that you would want us to look the part and do you proud. Our public transportation is second to one. <laughs> <laughs> Here's a bus pass. Here's a bus pass. <laughs> he says, I can absolutely make arrangements for you to fly on any uh, transportation and liners that happen to be going from one location to the other. I would just need your destination. 
Or you can use the ship I have acquired for your use. Just down over here, what, he says. What's its name? <laughs> Let's come take a look. <laughs> he smiles and leads you guys over towards the prophet's hangar. Inside the citadel is a large hangar that could fit maybe 10 uh, decent size um, short haul freighters or transports that they use. There's only two here. One of which uh, is clearly not for you. There are guys that are working on it. You've seen those prophets before. They're the old guard. Uh, but there's a new ship here you haven't seen before in the hangar, and he points you towards it. New to us ship or new <laughs> ship? New to you haven't seen in the hangar before. Okay. <laughs> and Kreev says, we are working on acquiring a suitable ship for your assignments. Uh, this is proving to be a challenging task. In the meantime, a delegate from the uh, Angorad Embassy has lent us his personal vessel for the time being. He is a respected ally of the Prophet's and only asks for it to be returned in pristine condition, <laughs> just as he delivered it to us. Any smudge on a window, any scuff on the floor, you bring this back with the star drive, not 100% fully recharged and sparkling, and there will be hell to pay per Captain Valencia. Are we clear on this? What could go wrong? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you see, the ship before you is a small ship but kind of a little tall, almost like a rectangular overall shape on its end. It looks luxurious. Everything is shiny. Everything is new. It's brightly painted in seafoam green. Lovely. <laughs> the name emblazoned in golden, golden lettering in a majestic font reads Kellen's Oasis on the sign. There are no weapons of any type. It has gorgeous rounded edges. It looks great. Well, this. Augie's eye go anime just. <laughs> <laughs> this is just a really lovely opportunity. And I just give Ipo a hard look and give him a little questioning eyes. What? Do you think this is a great choice? It looks like a very easy ship to fly. Okay. Uh, you, and he holds out a data pad towards you, Augie. He actually uh -huh. has it in his hands and turns it around so he's still holding on to it. I will uh, just need you to sign here, please, for the ship. <laughs> oh no. Uh <laughs> You can always make a new character. Would <laughs> this would this not be better signed by you, Catherine? Well, I neither flying nor maintaining this. I'll sign for it. Ah, oh. uh, he turns it away from you. <laughs> no, the engineer of the vessel must sign for the vessel. Really a doctor, but... Well, you know, uh, team, if there's other ways that we could potentially go on our first mission, maybe we should just go. I, I go through the... Uh, I slip past the, uh, the signature portion of it okay. and start going over the more detailed <laughs> portions of the ship to make sure I'm not signing on to a piece of crap that's underneath kind All of right. thing. All right, make a intelligence roll, Ooh, please. Good luck. I haven't used this in a while. 
<clears throat> intelligence uh, with my modifier, 12. Yep. 12. Everything looks legit. You don't see anything out of the ordinary. Um, and he just needs your signature for this ship, returning it in the pristine condition. And it has different components listed. And all of them say, uh, you know, rear hatch, uh, mint condition. Uh, it says star drive, mint condition, just, each of the things. Before he signs, I say, what happens if there is a smudge or other problems? Or do we owe a certain amount of money or do we owe this person a favor? Oh, no, you would uh, most likely f- deal with disciplinary action from Captain Valencia. Why would the Angerod embassy loan us their, their starship? I was not needed by them for the next two months and we were in desperate need of a vessel for you and this is... Honestly, all that I could easily find. I certainly wouldn't want to give you a junky piece of crap <laughs> shuttle. No, you wouldn't. <laughs> all right. Uh, a pleading look goes around to find any kind of sympathy from everyone, but... Uh, sign, sign it, little buddy. I am sure it will be fine. <laughs> I quickly scan above the ship to see if there's anything loose above it that's about ready to fall on Nope, it. looks safe. Uh, I... Uh, I, I I give it a. I don't even use my my own print. I use the digital one that's on my collar. And okay. That All right. He scrolls on his data pad. And here, <laughs> I I I keep copies of the prints. <laughs> and I need you initial here and here, please. Is it too late to back out? No. <laughs> uh, I sign away. All right, and that's good. Save and send to all command personnel. <laughs> uh, just outside of the gorgeous gangway inside, I have placed a crate of supplies I selected to support you and specifically for the ship. And as once again, I wish you the best of luck. Uh, master. Epo's already at, in the flight deck. Just All right, Epo, you head towards familiar. the uh, gangway. It's like this cool little uh, shell section that drops out of the back that's got little steps. It has carpeting down the middle that's red that almost looks like red carpet of some big show type thing. <laughs> the carpet's been vacuumed. There's no lint on it anywhere at all. It looks fantastic. Not for long. <laughs> uh, the interior is very, very white and gorgeous and shiny. It's been buffed and waxed and really gorgeous inside. You step inside um, and start looking for the pilot area. The rest of you, anything you're doing? Uh, what's in the crates? I don't know. Oh, the crates. I'm glad that at least your fur blends in. <laughs> uh, Kolsch, you open up the crate. Uh, inside the crate are about a dozen spray bottles of cleaning supplies and oh, two yes. dozen bundles of pristine white chamois. Mm, yeah, um, I, Catherine quickly walks the other direction. <laughs> and we won't need these. <laughs> Stuff immediately starts getting thrown out of the ship. Um, I'm gonna, while we're looking through, uh, you said that there was some of the older prophets in somewhere else that's fixing their ships. Uh, yes. I'm gonna just head on over. Okay. And say, hello. We you know we're we're new to the prophets, and I wanted to say hello and meet some others here as well, and maybe get some advice. Uh, there's a guy there. He's. Uh, 
sits, he stands up from sitting down, relaxing. He's an old gray-haired type guy with big square shoulders, muscles. He's got all sorts of badges and awards on his armor. Uh, and he says, yeah, you're, uh, you're one of the new recruits, right? Absolutely, I'm Catherine. Uh, yeah, I think I've seen your group around before. You uh, actually uh, get get signed on. You're doing some work now for us. Yeah, we're choosing between a couple of missions. Any suggestions on uh, which way to go for our first one? I can only say that you've got to know how to use your muscle, know how to use your brains, but there's also an unexpected amount of politics around here, so making friends helps out. And uh, in the spirit of that, what's your name? Uh, Outen. Outen, so great to meet you. I've, I think I've heard quite a bit about you. She lies. <laughs> Start with that diplomacy. Uh, um, but I got a, like a plus five to that, so it's fine. <laughs> and so I smile while I say it, and um, that's really helpful. Thank you. And um, you know, we seem to have this lonership. What what would be disciplinary actions that you might know of if something went wrong with it? It sounds like this is a potential problem for us in the future. Oh, yeah. You could uh, be grounded for who knows how long. You could go back to training for a while. I remember back in the day, there were some people that were kicked out of the prophets when they messed up their first, I think that was their second mission. It was some sort of birthday party mishap. I can't quite remember. Uh, yeah, and Catherine just sort of like wipes her crossed hand on her pants. That plate of cake you were about to offer goes back behind your back. And I'm like, wow, that's, uh, well, that's always been really very helpful. Thank you so much, Outen. And My I son, Timmy, to... was very happy. <laughs> he uh, gives you that cool predator action movie manly forearm mm. shake type thing mm -hmm. and grabs you hard and says go get him prophet <laughs> thanks back at you and uh you head off in the cockpit epo you go in and you are blown away by the exquisiteness of it <laughs> It's got information and details and all sorts of great stuff that's not particularly useful, but it's cozy as all heck. The seat's leather. It's been oiled up. It's got like double cup holders. Massage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it swivels. There's extra room. The screens are all high def. Gorgeous canopy. It's absolutely amazing cockpit. Epo looks around and kind of takes in the sights and says to himself, I would have preferred lambskin. And <laughs> Augie, you have a, a quick visit to the engineering area. It is has luxuriously superfluous equipment everywhere. So it has a star drive, it has a, a drift drive, engines that are way more expensive than they need to be and not very efficient at all, but they're like ultra quiet <laughs> but it takes up five times the amount of space so that whoever is being transported in this vessel doesn't hear it or sense it much at all you see that that waste if you will you're very efficient you want biggest bang for your buck this is a whole different theory behind its design of ultra comfort and convenience for the guest uh, might have been better if we had walked this and is, this is, this uh, is crap <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> it's all crap. Take it all out. Kolsch and uh, Devin, you two are inside unloading chamois, I'm guessing. Uh, yeah, was that the only supplies? That was it. Bring no food or no, like... Oh, no, 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 no. Hmm. Uh, and you see there are several little cramped crew quarters. You guys can choose who goes where. And then you see one centrally located front, but mid-tier sections. It's got a couple floors because it's tall. Extremely high-quality guest room uh, for the main person being transported. It is a two-tiered quarters with a giant circular bed with uh, a nice classical music that plays as soon as you enter. It has different <laughs> scents that are sprayed based on the AI that tries to detect what you might like best by oh your God. appearance as you go inside. There's water You don't like sprayed. being sprayed at. <laughs> There's a little fountain in there of like a goose that gently sprays water. It's an amazing room. You've never how, seen anything How many like other this. crew quarters are there? There's four Four other crew quarters. <laughs> There's yours and everyone else's. And then you and Devin have just uh, stumbled into this. This is extravagant in the extreme. I don't. I don't like it. No, it's uh, <laughs> not very practical. It's very uh, just gaudy. I do not like it either. And Devin leaves. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Kolsch just doesn't like the water getting sprayed. <laughs> I figured you'd be over there pawing at the fountain. Augie walks Laughing in up and it's at like the water. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Epo, uh, you're firing up the engines, getting things going. Okay. Yeah. Everything's in tip-top shape. There's no work that needs to be done. Augie, it's ready to fly. And Catherine, you you asked, I think you asked, um, or was it Kolsch? One of you asked about food. There is a bunch of standard profit rations, okay. uh, generic, but enough for you guys for a couple weeks. And you also see it is currently locked a liquor cabinet with an amazing assortment of beverages inside. Uh, what kind of locks on there? <laughs> <laughs> it is a digital lock. Um, there is no key that has been provided, unfortunately. Computer roll, please. <laughs> what would do it? You have to leave your card on file for <laughs> mini bar charges. <laughs> Epo, you fire up the engines and the ship comes to life. It's, uh... I, it, the engines are no longer mint. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the most responsive of craft, uh, and it moves slowly but gently. Okay. And um, you lift... And runs to get on. It <laughs> 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 was really nice to meet you. I'd love to talk some more. <laughs> You lift off and you gently rotate around and start to slowly head out of the exit of the Prophet's hangar. I need you to make a piloting roll. Do we? We don't even know where we're going yet, do we? Yeah, we're going to. Uh, okay. And there's. Well, do you want to wait for Catherine to join us? <laughs> She's on board. <laughs> oh shit. She's doing that like hanging <laughs> yeah. ropes thing on the side. Oh my god. Eight. You rolled an eight. Even with my DM inspiration. Okay. I'm glad I'm not the one that signed for it. Augie, you're... I feel my career leaving. <laughs> Something is wrong. Augie, you're inside. 
and you uh, are messing with the engines. You're keeping an eye on things. Everything seems really great. Everything's good. You're radioing to Epo. Uh, you know, okay, good. Power levels are great. And then you hear Epo make some sort of sound over the inter. <laughs> uh oh. <laughs> As I'm wondering, the gyro must be broken. Epo, <laughs> uh, there's a giant fuel um, this hose that's hanging from the ceiling that's like maybe four feet in diameter and 80 feet long. That's way high in the ceiling. No ship would ever come anywhere near this, but the ship's just so tall you weren't anticipating it. And you hit it right on your little plexiglass type canopy thing. And then you hear it bounce, bounce, bounce and bounce off an antenna and then all is quiet. Oops. <laughs> Reroll your character. <laughs> and then the ship leaves. You are out and flying across the city of Circos. Down below, you can see a beautiful park of trees and a lake and a beach and a whole lot of police tape. Uh, <laughs> you guys fly off. You are given priority clearance to depart the planets and you engage your drift drive. Where are you headed? Uh, to rendezvous with the Striden ship. All right. Your ship then folds into drift space, and we will stop there for tonight. And so the first adventure of the season comes to an end. Our heroes cause quite a bit of chaos in the middle of a downtown park. We had a crazy hover skiff chase, our first character knocked out, and a birthday party little Timmy won't soon forget. The heroes took off in their first mission to help some religious folks on a ship somewhere out in space. Thank you to Chris, Tim, Christopher, Seth, Jillian, and everyone who helped make this production possible, including our sponsor, the Fantasy Grounds Virtual Tabletop. And our sincere thanks to you, our listeners, for joining us on our adventures. If you'd like to help out the show, check out our Patreon account at patreon.com slash ingloriousbards. Support given through Patreon will help keep the servers running and get you access to exclusive behind-the-scenes content, including character creation and after-the-show recordings. Who are these religious people on a faraway ship asking the prophets for aid? And what will the heroes find when they arrive? Until next time. <laughs>